I am so excited about what God wants to do in our midst this morning. <clears throat> I will confess to you that um, it's always fun to preach a warm and fuzzy kind of message, the kind of message that gets you all excited and pumped up, and the kind of message that gives you goosebumps, and the kind of message maybe that brings you to tears. And it's always fun to do that kind of message that truly changes lives. Um, this isn't one of those emotional messages. And, 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 um, but I want you to know that today could be a life-changing day for you. And I, I, I've prayed fervently this past week that this would be a life-changing day for so many in our church. We have talked about the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about unleashing the power that's within that's within us, every believer, the Holy Spirit indwells. And he brings with him this incredible power not to do what we want to do, but to do what he wants us to do. And I want for every single one of you, I want you to experience that. I want you to become addicted to that. I want that to be a lifestyle for you. And so maybe a question might be this morning, is that something that you desire? I, I think that in our church, we ought to always be reminded, always be reminded that that the greatest of all the commandments is that we love God. I think that's really important. And an antagonist came up to Jesus. He was surrounded by a large group of people, and the antagonist said to him, Teacher, tell us what's the greatest of all the laws. Right, really trying to trick him. The religious leaders of the day had argued about this for hundreds of years. What's the greatest law? What's the greatest law? There had been really no answer, and I think they were just trying to trick Jesus. But Jesus immediately responded, Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. I think it's a, a good question to ask ourselves this morning. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? I'm not talking about do you believe in him. I'm not talking about do you work real hard to keep his commandments. I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about being a part of life group. I'm talking about... Do you love Jesus? He said, that's the greatest of all of the commandments. And, and, and if, you, if you're doing all of these other things, but you don't love Jesus, then, then we've missed the whole point. It's really, really important with where God has us as a church and what I believe he's trying to teach us and what he's trying to do in each of our lives because loving Jesus ought to be what drives us. It ought to be the motivator. It ought to be why we do what we do. We, we're in love with him. We're in love with him. Well, Dale, how do I know if I'm in love with Jesus? How do I know if I'm loving Jesus? You know. You know what it's like to love somebody, to be in love with somebody. And they consume your thoughts. You sacrifice for them. You first person you think about in the morning and last person you think about when you go to bed, it's do we love Jesus? What is your perception? Your, what, how do you think about God? What, who is God? <clears throat> 
to you. Do you think about him as a person? The Bible says that everybody who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus to take away their sin has entered into a relationship with God. And that at that point, God, the Holy Spirit, God in the form of his spirit, he comes and indwells in us. He comes and indwells in us to, to grow that love relationship so that we might interact with him. He, he's a person. We've been learning uh, these past weeks, and I, 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 I've heard some incredible things about what God is doing as we have studied the Holy Spirit. I told somebody yesterday, it, it, it's as if we simply made a commitment to learn more about the Holy Spirit and who He is and His involvement in our lives. It was just kind of our commitment, our step of faith to do that, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit has taken over. And I have heard incredible things about what the Holy Spirit is doing in people's lives. A most incredible, unexplainable supernatural report of the women meeting last night, 75 women meeting in this room, and how the Spirit was here, and how the Spirit was involved, and how the Spirit was worshipped, and how the Spirit taught, and, and women who, who entrusted themselves wholly to His Spirit, giving themselves to Him, and desiring to know Him better, and making commitments for for discipleship, a couple of ladies came to a first-time relationship with God, giving their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. I get an opportunity to talk with Arthur almost on a weekly basis. We have a teenager that is expressing, is placing their faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, for salvation, for eternal life. I praise God for that. I have heard incredible things going on in our life groups these past few weeks. The words that are used more often than not is a spirit-filled experience. God is real. He wants to do the unexplainable and supernatural in your life. And, and as we are here on this earth, in our time on this earth, He does those things and we experience those things through the indwelling Holy Spirit. God Himself indwelling our bodies. We've learned that He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person that, that, that we, we need to think of Him as a He, not an it. It ought to make us cringe when we hear the Holy Spirit called an it. It's a He. He. He's a person. He has a mind, and He has emotions, and He has desires, and He thinks, and He speaks, and He leads, and yes, He he even grieves. He's not something. He's someone. He's not a, a feeling. He's a person. We embrace this idea. We begin to learn about what this person, this one we have a relationship with, an intimate relationship with, this one that we love, this one that we rely on, we begin to learn about some of the things that he does on our behalf. John chapter 14, it says that he prays for us. Have you ever asked other people to pray for you? As brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to count it a privilege to be able to pray on the behalf of other people. 
I hope that when you tell people that you'll pray for them, that you really, really pray for them. But it excites me to no end to think that God, the Holy Spirit, this person, this, who, this person who has all of the attributes of God because He is God, it excites me to think that He prays for me. What do you think He prays for me? If I tell Him that I want Him to pray for me to have some item that I really want, do you think that's what He prays for me? Maybe. I think that what He prays is He prays his desires for me. He has a will. He has desires for me. I wonder if sometimes I don't get on my knees and I pray and I give my list of things that I pray for and the Holy Spirit doesn't say to God the Father, here's what he really means, God. Here's what he really means, Father. I know he asked for that, but what he's saying is, is that he has this hole in his spirit and he needs you to fill that hole. We learn that he, he prays on our behalf. That's an exciting thing for me. We learn from 1 Corinthians 12 when the Apostle Paul is talking about the distributions of gifts, ministerial gifts. We learn that the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts and that he does it according to his desire and according to his will. It's important that we understand that, that this God who lives inside of us, this person, this Holy Spirit has desires for us. He has a will for us. It's important to understand, according to Ephesians 4, verse 30, that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. I've heard great debate about how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? I don't think it's really all of that complicated. Anytime we displease the Holy Spirit, He's grieved we should seek in our hearts it it ought to be a priority in our lives that we seek to please the holy spirit with our lives not pleasing ourselves, but pleasing the holy spirit this is the great battle that takes place within every believer we talked about it last week when we talked from romans chapter 8 we learn from romans chapter 8 that every christian has the power within them to live according to the Spirit's desires and will for us instead of our own desires. That Listen, that every believer has the power within them to live according to the Spirit rather than living according to the flesh. That power is within you to experience that. We can choose to walk in victory, a victory that has already been won for us. Is that a desire of your heart? I, um, I, I think that God's plan is clear. His provision for us is clear. I've told you I've been I've been a Christian for a long, long time. If I was to be totally honest and transparent with you in all of those years and all of those decades of my Christian life, 
I, I don't think that I can find a time in my life where I would describe it or characterize it as continually being controlled by the Spirit of God. Continually being filled with the Spirit. Continually walking according to the Spirit. And yet I find in Ephesians chapter 5 where we'll spend our time this morning that that's what He commands me to do. To be filled with the Spirit. I, I believe that it's, it's easy to stand up here and say, here's what y'all ought to be doing. A, B, C, D, E, F. But you know what? It, it's... That, that's the um, role of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's the one in your personal and intimate relationship with you who says, here's, here's what's best for you. Here's my best for you. Here's what you ought to be doing. Here's the way you ought to be walking. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We've made that point this morning. He's always there. He's available to us. And yet we don't avail ourselves of His presence in our lives we, we live defeated when we live according to our desires, but that's, that's not God's provision for us. He has provided that we can live according to His desires for us. That we can live according to the Spirit. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to us this morning. Here's what the Holy Spirit says to us this morning in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Take note, consider, think about. Don't just walk through life, but take a close look at your life. Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. I read that, what I sense the Holy Spirit saying to me personally is, Dale, you've got to have a sense of urgency about what I want to do in you and what I want to do through you. Man, I, I, I can speak to this as well as anybody in this room. Time flies. Where does the time go? He says you have to have a sense of urgency. I wish I could look over the decades of my life and say from, from the time I entered into this relationship with Jesus, I've had this sense of urgency about what He wants to do in me and what He wants to do through me. I can't. But listen, I can start today. You can start today. This can be a defining day in your life. I want to, it's not that I want to be just controlled by the Spirit or filled with the Spirit or walk with the Spirit or live according to the Spirit. I, I, I want to start today continually, continually walking in the Spirit and being controlled by the Spirit. Now, listen, you might think to yourself, that's impossible, that's impossible. Well, if it's impossible, why did He command us to do that? He commands us to continually walk in the Spirit. Think about 
your life. Look carefully at how you walk. Make the best use of your time. Do not be foolish, he says in verse 17, but understand the will of the Lord. The Holy Spirit who indwells you has a desire for you. He has a will for you. He begins to to unwrap that for us in verse 18 where he says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, for that is sin, for that grieves the Holy Spirit, for that's displeasing to the Holy Spirit. Now, I've explained this to you before. That I, that while I think that this is a, a great picture, I don't think this passage is about consuming alcohol. I, I think it's about identifying what it is that controls you. The word drunk there means to be under the influence of. It means to be controlled by. Do not be under the influence of wine. Do not be under the control of wine. He could have just as easily said, do not be under the influence of your bad habits. Do not be under the influence of your past. Do not be under the influence of your career, your desire to succeed. Don't be under that influence. Don't don't be under the influence of some addiction that you might have. Don't be under the influence of, of your family. Don't be under the influence of your pastor. Don't be controlled by him. Don't be controlled by anything except, he says... Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be controlled by anything except the Holy Spirit who indwells you. It would be a great exercise for us to take the time to say, what is it that controls you? You may be able to identify that that thing, maybe it's that person that controls you by looking at decisions that you make. Are you controlled by money or love for money? Is that a controlling factor? You can look at decisions that you make and determine what it is that is controlling you. And we are commanded not to be controlled by anything except God's Spirit that lives within us. It is a command. It's a command. It's for every believer It's not just for the missionaries or those on staff or the elders. Every believer, it says, should be controlled by the Spirit and nothing else. It's something that God does in us. It's not something that we do. It's something, according to how this verb is used in the the original It's something that is done over and over and over again. It's a a verb that's in the present tense, and it, it, it means to continually be filled with the Spirit, continually be controlled by the Spirit. And if God commands that, if we know that's His desire and will for us, then we know as well that He provides us that opportunity. He says, do not get drunk with wine. Do not be controlled with wine. Do not be controlled with anything. 
That's sin. That's displeasing to the Holy Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. Now look, that's so simple, isn't it? Why have I struggled with that? Why have I, I looked back on my life and found that there's really not a time in my life where I can say, you know what, during that time I was continuously controlled by the Spirit. I think it's the experience of, of so many in this room. You know, I, I'm not sure that I know anybody who's continuously been controlled by the Spirit. I, I didn't know Dr. Bill Bright. But man, I've, I've studied his life and I've had the opportunity to sit down with Bailey Marks, who worked very, very closely with Bill Bright and Jerry Sharpless. We've, we've spent time together, and I've heard stories about him, and I think, man, if anybody could be continuously controlled by the Holy Spirit, man, he, he had to be. His life was characterized by the unexplainable. His life was characterized by the supernatural, the miraculous, what God used him to accomplish makes you scratch your heads and go, it couldn't have come, it couldn't be from a man. And yet, listen, it's easy to want to put him on a pedestal, but I'm telling you, the same power that was unleashed in his life and through his life is the power that's available to all of us. That we can consistently experience the unexplainable and the supernatural in our lives. And yet, it would be easy for us to talk about what was accomplished through this life that was continuously controlled by the Spirit. And as I said last week, and get excited about the, the, the fruit and the results and the things that God did. But it goes deeper than that. The, 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 the answer to the question, why don't we continuously why aren't we continuously controlled by the Spirit? Is it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with getting excited about what can happen. It has to do with what's deep down inside of us. And what our experience has been in this Christian life. Have, have you ever thought about that since the time you became a Christian? And, and maybe that was last night. Maybe it was a week ago. And maybe it was a year or 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. Have you thought about that spiritual journey? I can't speak for all of you. I can certainly speak for myself. And I can tell you that within my heart and in my spirit, I know that the journey for so many of us, probably all of us here in this room, is very, very similar. It's very similar. It goes something like this. We, we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus. And there's this kind of honeymoon phase that happens. There's this excitement about our sins being taken away and we're reconciled to God. And there's this excitement about what He wants to do through us. There's this excitement about having a personal relationship with Him, an intimacy with Him. And, and it's not long that the honeymoon phase kind of ends. And it usually ends because into this relationship we brought a lot of baggage. We brought a past, 
and due in a large part because of of that baggage and due in a large part because we don't understand really how to be controlled by his spirit we we begin to struggle with sin we begin to find ourselves walking in the same habits that we had before we knew Christ and and that sin begins to bring a a guilt on us and so our response to that is i need to change I need to stop doing this. But when we try to change bad habits, what we are doing is we're, we're changing the manifestation or the results or the behavior of something that's much more deep, something that's deeper than that behavior, something that's driving that behavior. We say, I can will myself to stop doing this. But there's a deeper issue that exists. I've said this a hundred thousand times. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'll never do this again. And, And folks, I think that you will agree with me, that just doesn't work. And so we get frustrated. And we begin to beat ourselves up. And we begin to find ways to justify our sin. Justify things that we're we're doing that displease God. And and, and then the Christian life becomes this life of, of sin management. And when our Christian lives are in this place of sin management, we find ourselves just going through the motions, this religious experience. And the words, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly, are foreign to us. But the reality is, as Jesus said, I came that you might have life, that it might be abundant, that it might be full, that it might be meaningful. We've got to find a way to deal with those deeper issues. We've got to find a way to deal with what's being manifest in our life through these issues. And God has provided a way for us to do that. This is, the, this is the beginning of how He wants to transform our lives. You're a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And yet there's this transformation that He wants to do in our lives, this spiritual journey. He, he, he calls it, he calls it um, conforming you to the image of Jesus, making you like Jesus. And, and, and the provision that He has given us for this, this journey of transformation, this journey, some call it sanctification, but think of it as a, as a total change in your life. His, his provision for that is confession. When the word confession or confess is used in the Scriptures, it simply means to agree, and there's three components to a confession. Here's where you might want to start taking notes. That when I, I, when I know that, that I've done something that, that grieves the Spirit, that's displeasing to the Spirit, that's against His will for me, then I, I, I confess, and there's three components of that. Number one, the first component is, I agree with Him that it's sin. That's sin. The, the, the second component is, I agree with Him that as a Christian and as a believer, that sin, the penalty of that sin 
has been paid for when Jesus died on the cross. I agree with them. And I agree that I want to turn away from that sin. That's the Bible word repentance. I agree it's sin. I agree, I agree the penalty's been paid, and I agree that I want to turn from that. I don't want that to control my life. I don't want that to be a part of my life. I don't want that. I don't want to do that anymore. That happens in my life when the Holy Spirit who indwells me, this person who indwells me, this this God, the Holy Spirit who indwells me, He lets me know there's things in my life. When He that's called conviction, and when He He convicts me of that, then 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 I have I have a a, a myriad, a, a variety. I, I have several options. This is how I can respond. See, if this isn't familiar to you, here's one way to respond. We just rationalize it. Well, it's not that bad anyway, especially compared to Joe over there. We're good at that. Or, or, or that you know, it's, it, 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 I didn't hurt anybody. There's nobody got hurt because of that. We can justify it. You know, just a man. We can blame. Well, if she hadn't worn that kind of bathing suit, I wouldn't have never thought that. He, if, he hadn't have, if he hadn't have said that to me, I would have never reacted the way I did. And we begin to say, it's not my fault, it's other people's faults. You, you, you remember Flip Wilson? There's 10 or 15 of you in here who do. What did he say? The devil made me do it. He's blaming. He's under conviction. Now, you know, this is Geraldine, his little character, but he becomes under conviction because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Why? Because he loves us. And he says, look, I want to I shine a light on this. I've, I've provided a way to take care of this. And, and he shines a light on it, and, and we either rationalize it or we justify it or we blame somebody else for it. Well, there's another option. We can confess it. You know what, Holy Spirit? You're right. That was sin. And I understand and I agree that the penalty of that sin has been paid for. And I don't, wanna, I don't want that in my life. This, this idea of confession, it's something that, that we, do, we do daily, we do hourly, we, we, we do moment by moment. We do as often as the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us makes us aware of it. As often as He does that. We go through this process. Man, you're right. You're right, that's wrong. You're right, that's been paid for. It's, it's been dealt with. There's no penalty for that in my life. And I, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to turn from that. I want to repent. I want to turn back to you, Holy Spirit. I want to turn back to God. And, and, and this has been my experience, maybe this has been your experience, that when I go through that process, there is this, this neat feeling that I get. It's, it, 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 I know it cleanses me. I, I know it restores my relationship with God, and it feels great. And, and folks, listen, this has been my experience, but that's usually where the interaction with the Holy Spirit stops. I do something pleasing, he makes me aware, I confess, I feel good, and then I go on with my life. But 
I think that's where a lot of us fail. I think that's where a lot of us make a mistake. How do we keep from falling back into the same sin again and again and again? Well, that's right here in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be controlled by anything, but be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. That's God's provision for us. And so I'm learning, and folks, listen, I'm just learning this, as sad as that may be. But I can start today experiencing what it might be like to continually be in control of the Spirit. And so, and so what I'm learning is that I can't stop at, at this, this, this uh, process of confession with, with agreeing that it's sin, with the, uh, agreeing that the sin's been paid for, with agreeing that I want to turn from that to God, feeling good about it. But, but there's another thing that I need to do. I need to ask Him to fill me with His Spirit. I need to ask His Spirit to control me. When His Spirit is controlling my life, there's this role that He has in my life. It's to, it's to lead me and direct me, to, to empower me. In Romans chapter 8, when it says that, that we have power to put the flesh, that's my desires, when we have power to put my desires to death, that Power comes from the Spirit who indwells me, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so I ask His Spirit to fill me, to control me, to take over my life. That's His role. That's what He will do. And when He comes and He takes over, and He empowers me and He controls me, then there's a response I have to that. It's, it's, it's my role. And, and, and you know what my role is? There's two things, really. The first is to abide. The, 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 the Bible says that that means to, to live with, to be comfortable in His presence, to enjoy His presence. I, I think abiding can be described here in these verses in Ephesians chapter 5. After he tells us that we should be filled with the Spirit, he says, you ought to address one another in psalms and hymns and and spiritual songs. That's, That's part of abiding. You ought to sing and make melody to the Lord in your heart. That's part of abiding. If I can... If I can... Uh, be controlled by the Spirit, and He can empower me to live a lifestyle where I'm doing these things, that's abiding. He he says that not not only that, but you ought to uh, give thanks always for everything to God the Father. That's abiding. That's in this this lifestyle. I'm I'm singing. I'm fellowshipping with you. I'm I'm having a heart that's that's being... transformed into a heart of gratitude and a heart of thanksgiving. It's abiding. It's, it's praying throughout the day. It's giving thanks throughout the day. It's, it's confessing throughout the day. That's abiding. He gives me the power to do that. And here's a second thing that's kind of my role. I've got to depend and rely wholly on Him and not my own effort i got to believe Him when He says that within me is the power. 
to live that kind of life. And so part of the prayer that I pray throughout the day is, Lord, give me strength. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me patience. I'm depending on you. I'm relying on you. It's not my strength. It's your strength. It's not my experience. It's your wisdom. Change me. I believe in that experience, God's Spirit is able to lead us, to guide us, to empower us. How do we learn how to do that? Folks, listen, if we can learn how to, to do that, we can, we can continually be controlled by His Spirit. Think about what that would mean in your life. Think about what that would mean in your home. Think about what that would mean in the workplace. Think about what that would mean. I believe that, that God's blessings are poured out on someone who is controlled by His Spirit, continually controlled. Bill Bright gives us a metaphor. He calls it spiritual breathing. It's a way for us to remember how we might apply this to our lives. Spiritual breathing is like physical breathing in that it needs to become something in our lives that we don't even think about, we just do. He, he describes it this way, that, that to exhale, that's the confession part, those three components of confessing, that, that when the Holy Spirit makes me aware of there's something in my life that grieves Him or is displeasing to Him, that's controlling me, that I, I can immediately con go through these, these components of confessing. I know that's wrong. I know that, that, that you have paid the penalty for that. I do. My, in my heart, I'm sincere. You know my heart. I do want to turn from that, and I do want to turn to you. That's, that's the exhale. What's the inhale? Control me. Fill me. I want to walk in you. He promised he would do that. And He will do that. Fill me. I want to be controlled by You. And we do that. Exhale, inhale. Exhale, inhale. Exhale, inhale. Confess, be filled. Confess, be filled. We do it all day long. All day long. I know that that can initially... And listen, I'm just learning. I'm just learning. I, I, I've heard this a thousand times for years. I know that it's awkward. But I want to tell you that I don't think it will take a really long time before it becomes just as natural as physical breathing. Exhale, inhale. Confess, be filled. Confess, be filled. Be controlled. Walk in the Spirit. Do it all day long. I believe incredible blessings await for you. Now look. No warm fuzzies. I don't see anybody crying. No goosebumps. This can change your life.
It can start today. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I believe that if people were honest and I asked the question, have you found the Christian life to be frustrating? Many people would raise their hand, maybe all. And I would be there with you. It doesn't have to be provision for it to be abundant, fulfilling, has been made. Not only has provision been made, we're commanded to do that. God would never command us to do something that he wouldn't provide for us to do it. I believe that when we learn this, I'm telling you, I believe incredible blessings are ours to experience. Look, I don't know what that looks like exactly, and maybe the blessing is peace. As a matter of fact, I can tell you, one of the blessings is peace, and one of the blessings is love, and one of the blessings is joy, and patience, and goodness, and kindness, and faithfulness, and long-suffering to be able to experience that in your life. All right. Life groups this week. Here's what I want you to do. And this is just a suggestion to the life group leaders. Because you, you lead your group the way the Holy Spirit tells you to lead your group. I want you to talk about this process, the spiritual breathing thing. Whenever your life group meets, we have some that meet this afternoon and we have some that meet as late as Friday night, so all throughout the week. If you should be convicted by the Holy Spirit of something in your life, I want you to apply this process and I want you to talk about that experience in your life group. What I'm saying is, if you should happen to sin between now and your life group, Mine meets at 4.30 today. And I'll have something to talk about. If you should happen to sin between now and your life group, breathe spiritually. Exhale, confess. Inhale, ask Him to empower you and control you. Maybe you'll make some notes. This is what I experienced. I failed miserably. It was an incredible success. This was the challenges of doing that. And talk about that with, with your brothers and sisters in Christ in, in, in this small group setting. What was hard about it? What was easy about it? What, what did you feel? Why don't you, why, why don't you do it more often? All those kind of things. Discuss those things. Then I hope that you'll have a time of prayer. I want to pray for you, and I am asking you to please pray for me. Because I don't want this to be a two-day thing. I don't want it to be a week thing. I don't want it to be a month thing. I want him to control my life. He's commanded that. He's provided for that. I think the ball's in my court. Moms and dads, kids, kindergarten through fifth grade, this is the sheet that you'll get when you pick up your kids. 
I encourage you to spend time with them this week. I've said this for the last three weeks, and I mean it with all of my heart. I believe doing that and having a conversation with them and teaching them about that is a time that they'll never forget in their lives. They'll never forget it. And I pray for you as you you do that. I want to invite you to stand, everybody standing. I've run a little bit long. I'm asking you to make a commitment to this. Learn what it means to be controlled by the Spirit. Learn the very practical steps in being controlled by the Spirit. Experience that in your life and share that experience with someone else. I'm I'm asking you to do that. Starting now. Lord Jesus, I, I, I pray for every individual in this room. I think some are saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I, I, I think maybe some are, are, are saying, I feel like I'm stepping into this unknown place and it scares me to death. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I want it. Holy Spirit, I pray that at this very moment we might look to you, accept your forgiveness and cleansing in our lives, and ask you at this very moment, right now, right now, ask you to control us, fill us, fill us with your Spirit, fill us with your Spirit. Right now, at this moment, so that this room is full of Spirit-filled believers, I ask you to do that right now. In Jesus' name. Sing together. His grace is enough.